Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. Guys, I'm so excited to bring this word this morning. Pastor Steve, about a week ago, asked me if I wanted to do this, and I could not pass up the opportunity. Um, He said that first time he preached a message, uh, it was at Charles Stanley Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and he said, uh, Dr. Stanley called him on Saturday night and said, hey, you want to preach tomorrow morning? And this is in front of 5,000 people. So uh, just, uh, just imagine. Um, so guys, 2020, it's almost over. How's everybody doing? I want to see some, some smiles out there. Let's see, let's see, let's see the, the faithfulness of God through this year. Even though it's been a turbulent year, we should be able to testify of his faithfulness in the midst of a turbulent year. Guys, what I, what I am um, telling us today is in the, in the midst of, of everything we've experienced, can you see God's hand? Can you see him working in your life? Do you realize that he's been there for you every step of the way? Can you testify to that? In Aspen Snowmass, we have a season right now where we're getting ready for winter. And every year, we prepare for the next the next season. Right now, it's, are my skis ready? Do I have everything I need to be dialed in to shred the mountain, to go out with my friends and have the best time? When the summer rolls around, in the spring, we're getting our bikes out. We're getting our golf clubs out. We're always, we're always anticipating the next season. And the fall rolls around. We're maybe getting ready to go hunting. We're getting ready for football season. There's so much excitement here as we prepare for that next season. But right now, it's clear that we need to be preparing for one thing, and that's the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's evident, the signs are clear, that he's coming back. And as the body of Christ, we need to be gathered together, as we are here this morning, getting ready for his return. That seems so imminent, doesn't it? So we're going to dive in on the parable of the ten, ten bridesmaids, which comes from Matthew chapter 25. And as we can see in this parable, some are going to be left out when Jesus returns. Not everybody is going to be joined at the wedding feast. Some are, some are going to miss out. So what I'm going to talk about is how not to miss out, how, how to be ready and prepared for Jesus at his return. Okay, so 2020, right? The, the, the media wants to drive the narrative and make us believe, and many of us have, that the most important thing is COVID-19. This is, is the, the biggest issue of the year. And then now we have the election. These things are, are like this in our lives, just these, these things coming up, telling us to stop and listen. This is so important, and they are. I'm not downplaying them, but there's a bigger story. There's a much bigger story. And that is Jesus is coming back. This is what I want us to focus on this morning. This is what I want us to be dialed in on because we, need, we, we as the church, this, this is our heart. This is our, our, our eternity. It's so, it's so important. To understand this story better, I'm gonna give us a little bit of uh, history and a breakdown of the Jewish uh, wedding tradition. Now, before God instituted these Jewish uh, traditions, Marriage was as simple as a man takes a woman home, sleeps with her, and she becomes his wife. 
Now, God instituted these practices to add holiness, righteousness, and order to the institution of marriage. So here's what happened. The, the father of the groom would send out a search party to look for a bride. And when he found that bride, he would actually purchase the bride. There was a, an arrangement and a purchase for her. And that purchase price in biblical days would usually come in the form of a couple of camels and 50 shekels of silver. It was, it was a transactional process where the bride was purchased. Now, she had an opportunity to say yes or no. She wasn't forced in the marriage. If she, if she said yes, then she became betrothed to the groom. And this is the more important step, the, the step of betrothal. The betrothal was the commitment, the covenant, and the promise. And at the betrothal, what happens is the, the groom would leave and go back to his father's house and prepare a place for the bride. It was often an addition onto the house. And to, to build this house and to get ready, it took him a year, so, so up, up to a year. It took time in order for him to prepare that place for the bride. And in the interim, the the bride would receive gifts from the groom, provisions for her to, to have until his return. So with that, I'm going to read the scripture. If everybody wants to turn to it, it is Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the others were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by a shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the five other bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I do not know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. So a couple of things. Why bridesmaids? Bridesmaids are a representation. They're not the bride, right? They're, they're the bridesmaids. They're a representation of the body of Christ. Why virgins? Other, ver other versions of the scriptures say virgins instead of bridesmaids. Virgins represent a separation from the world, from the contamination of the world, right? How about lamps? Why does each bridemaid have her own lamp? This represents the individuality and the propriety of each bridesmaid. 
each one of us is responsible for our own spiritual growth and our own walk with the Lord. Now I want to tie these two things together. How does this relate to the Christian life? Well, let me tell you this. Jesus is the purchase price of the church. God gave his one and only son to purchase us, each and every one of you sitting in these seats, and everyone who believes in the name of Jesus, he purchased you to be the bride of Christ. Now, this purchase price, it says in uh, Peter 1, 18 and 19, was not with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of the Lamb of God, the Messiah, who was without spot or blemish. I want to take you back to the cross for a moment and, and just ask you to reflect and, and, and remember the cross. We sh- we, one of the things as believers is we need to preach the gospel to ourselves all the time, especially in a year like 2020. We need to hear the gospel over and over and over again and remind ourselves of its truth and its power. So for three hours while Jesus was on the cross, well, well first, before he was on the cross, he, he was beaten to a pulp unrecognizably, where if you saw him before and after, you wouldn't recognize him as Jesus. That's how badly he was bruised and bloodied. And they put him on that cross, and for three hours, he was in this position. This is a position of, of defenselessness. There's nothing that he can do. He's, he's left to die. Jesus was an innocent man on that cross. Now, as he, as he was there and he died, there was, there was darkness for three hours in the city of Jerusalem. And what was happening during this time of darkness, it was the first time that the Father was separated from the Son and during the sin of the world. He took all the sin of the world, past, present, and future, right there. And at this time, there was a a curtain in, in the temple, and it split from top to bottom, opening up the presence of God to all humanity. Jesus bore our sins. And when he when he died and breathed his last, he said, It is finished. What, did, what, what does that mean? In, in the Hebrew, that word is called tetelestai. And if you were to buy some real estate in ancient Israel, the, the, the deed was stamped tetelestai. It is finished. The property is now transferred to you. And in, in this transaction, our sins were transferred to the cross. And what did he say? Boom, tetelestai. It is finished. He took all our sins. So that's how Jesus purchased the church on, on the cross. This is, a, this is amazing, amazing truth. Now, we have this gift. We have this gift called the Holy Spirit. God gave us back after Jesus ascended. The Holy Spirit came, and now we have this gift to, to lead us and to guide us, to help understand the word, to help us live a, uh, a godly life. We all need the Holy Spirit, and that's God's gift to us in the interim before Jesus returns. Now, what did Jesus say to us before he left? He said this in John chapter 14. My father's house, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Guys, what I want you to see is that this is the biggest story of 2020. That we are getting closer and closer 
to the return of Jesus. This is where our hope should be. This is where our reliance should be. This should be, instead of the bad news and the things that, the things that may or may not be happening, this is what we need to be focused on. So why does Jesus have the right to the bride? Why does Jesus have the right to our lives sitting in these seats? That's right, because he purchased us. He purchased each one of us. We are the bride of Christ. This is, this is incredible when we think about this. What, what stands out to many of us at first is, oh, there's going to be mansions I live in Aspen, mansions, it kind of lines up with our, our uh, first world living here we have in Aspen, but to, I'm not excited about the mansions, I'm excited about being with Jesus. Does that, does that make your heart skip a beat that one day we will be with Jesus? This is the news of 2020. You know, everything that's happening, you know what? We're going to be with the Lord. This should, this should bring us great hope and great joy. When you think about the end times, it should not bring fear and trepidation. It should bring hope. It should make us press in and press on and live for, and live for God. Okay, so in, in Jesus' return, how do we know, how do we know that his return is imminent? How do we know that he's coming soon? He says in Matthew 24 that there will be earthquakes and famines and wars and rumors of wars and great tribulation and, and birth pangs and uh, plagues. So I'm just going to run through a few things as evidence that things are ramping up. It's obvious. This right here is a hurricane that hit um, Central America. Those two countries you see at this little point right here is Honduras and Nicaragua. Um, two hurricanes recently hit there called Eta and Iota. And it's strange that they called it Hurricane Iota because Iota means infinitesimally small. But you can see that is no small hurricane. So this hurricane hit these countries and caused mass flooding, mass destruction. Right now, in this very moment, in Honduras, there's over 100,000 people in shelters. They don't know where they're going to work. They don't know where they're going to live. Their livelihoods are destroyed. 100,000 people. And they just got hit with another hurricane two weeks before that. Recently in the Air Force, there was a chaplain who got let go from the Air Force after 30 years of service for preaching biblical views on sexual morality. They said, now's your time to leave. They kicked him out. The World Food Bank... Is, is saying that we are going to experience famines of biblical proportions in 2021. I hope it's not, not going to come true, but the experts are saying that it, that it is. COVID-19, it seems like a plague. They want us to think that it's a plague. I don't know if it's a plague or not, but it sure is a sign. Another thing, guys, is the bridegroom is left. He's been ascended at the right hand of the Father for over 2,000 years. Right there, we know it's, it's time to get ready. 
So with um, the bridesmaids, what's the critical ingredient? A lot of theologians believe that the oil is a sign of the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite authors is this author called A.W. Tozer. I'm sure many of you in you have, have read his work. He says this, if you can read that quote at the top, it says, the spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It's part and parcel of the total plan for God and his people. The Christian life without the Holy Spirit would be like a beautiful home with no furniture. It would be like a basketball team who just can't get it in the hoop. Or maybe the Denver Broncos who, who, can't, who can't do it either. It's like they just need to kick a, a field goal to win the game, but they go for it and lose. So the foolish bridesmaids, who, who are they? And, and how come they don't have enough oil for their lamps? What I believe about the foolish bridesmaids is that they believed in God. They believed he was returning. But God played second fiddle in their lives. He, he wasn't taking center stage. He was on the peripherals of their lives. The foolish bridesmaids spent their days filling their lives up with everything but God. In a place like Aspen, we have so many things to entice us and to pull us away from God. But we, we can't get distracted. We can't become like the foolish bridesmaids listening to everything but the Lord. Think about all the good things Think about all the good things in this world that can distract us from God. It could be relationships. It could be even fitness. One verse that stands out in my mind here is 1 Timothy 4.8. It says this, physical training is good, but training in godliness is much better. Promising benefits for this life and the life to come. See, guys, I believe this is how we fill ourselves up with oil and how we become like the wise bridesmaids, training in godliness, training ourselves to be more like Jesus. You know, I love to go to the gym. I love to work out. I love to hike the bull. And right now I'm ramping up the leg workout so my legs are strong so I can ski hard all day. And when I hike the bowl, I like to go as fast as I can. And skinning has become a big thing in the ski industry, and I love to skin. I'll go up uh, after work sometimes or on my lunch break and skin to the top of Sam's Knob, and I got Strava on. I'm timing it. I'm tracking my vertical feet. It's something that I enjoy so much. But how does that parallel our spiritual life? How, how, could, how does that relate to our spiritual life? Well, I'm training my legs right now for the ski season. But our... I want to ask us, are we training our lives to be more, to more, be more godly? Are we, are, we, are we training ourselves to be holy? Are you filling your lamp up? Are you, are you, are you doing that, guys? Are, are, we, are we doing that in this year where it's so critical? Sometimes I go to this gym in Aspen, and I like to work out at night usually, and I, I've been in there a few times, and every time I go into this one gym, there's this guy in there, and he's, he's drinking beer at the gym. And I'm just like, what is going on here, man? What's, what's up with that? And, 
And I look over at the TV screens, and he's got on CNN, and he's got on Fox News. And I'm like, what's going on here, bro? What's, what's happening? And he says, you know what? I, I just want to hear what the enemy's saying. And I'm like, man, you, you have so much happening here. You're drinking beer, you're working out, and then you have both news networks on. I'm just scratching my head going, this guy, I need to have a chat with, I need to have a chat with you, buddy. But I think what's happening here is he's looking for something in the news that he's not going to find. He's looking for a tidbit there that's going to give him hope, that's going to encourage him, but he's not going to find it in the news, right? There's the news, and then there's real news. Then there's real news. This is the news we need to be saturated in. We need to be poured over in this word. Guys, I am a um, a Gideon, which is a a Christian uh, men's organization, and um, some of you may remember Ralph Melville, what an amazing man of God he was. He passed away about three years ago. Uh, when Ralph passed, there was a power outage in Aspen for about two hours. Uh, it was God saying, stop and remember Ralph Melville. This is a Gideon personal worker's testament. And as Gideons, we have these to share the gospel with people. It's a small, it's a small word that I can pass on to people. I can give this to people and share the gospel with them. But there's a great um, thing in here that, that talks about the word of God. I'm going to go ahead and read this to us. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Here's paradise restored, heaven opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is the grand subject, and the good design, and the glory of God, its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, guide the feet, read it slowly frequently and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given to you in life and will be opened at the judgment and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the greatest labor, and will contain all who trifle with its sacred contents. This is what we believe about the word of God. I want to speak to the millennial generation. What's driving your story, millennials? What is is leading you? Is it your career? Is it a relationship or lack thereof? Is it it fitness? And that's okay if it it is fitness. We we train ourselves. But understand, as, as we looked at before, that training in godliness is more valuable. So millennials, what's driving your story? What, what, is it, what is it there? Millennials is anyone born between 1981 and 1995. Millennials are exceptionally good with technology. Um, we often are seen as these folks here in this picture with a phone in our hands, you know, ready to rock and roll with social media. Um, here's the thing about social media that they've created. I don't know if you've heard this, but there's this thing called an infinity pool. And 
if you're on Instagram or the TikTok or Facebook, you can just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. You know, sometimes you do it for hours. As a millennial, um, they've created this infinity pool that you could actually scroll for days and never reach the end. They've created this, this tunnel. And they understand that we're searching for eternity. We're searching for purpose and searching for meaning. Why is Instagram so popular today? We are all searching for beauty and meaning, right? And you see those pictures and you're actually searching for God. They've created this infinity pool that, that oftentimes can distract us from God. One of my friends told me that millennials are looking for something to die for. And I said, why is that? And the first thing that came to mind is because they can't find anything to live for. They can't find anything to live for. Guys, as millennials, one thing we've gotten wrong, and uh, Pastor Steve has talked about this, is oftentimes millennials, we put consummation before commitment. And what, what that means is we put sex before marriage. What's, what's, the, what's the issue with that? Why is that, why is that a problem? And first of all, I want to let you know that, that God covers our, our mistakes. His grace is sufficient. It's more than enough. There's a, a Christian author who said this about um, sex and dating. She said, people today are looking at sex and romance to get a sense of meaning that we used to get from God. The problem is, it's not working. You see, right now, Young people, millennials, are facing greater anxiety and greater depression than ever before. And I believe it has to do with this, with this very issue. The hookup culture is leaving people that if you look on the outside, they, they look like they're happy and having the time of their lives. And they're, what they're desiring is just to be loved and accepted. But as, as the hookup culture happens and these, these things take place, it actually leaves people hollow and empty on the inside. It's, it's, a dark, it's a dark road. What does the word of God tell us? What, what, is, what does the word of God tell us? Um, John 3.17, after the most famous verse in the Bible, says that God did not send his son to condemn, but to save. This is, this is uh, I believe, the message to millennials is, let God rewrite your story. Let God redeem your past. Right? And then in Psalm 1, uh, 118, it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? And it says, by keeping it according to your word. Also in, in that same Psalm, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Church, are we doing that? Are we putting these, these uh, verses into practice? Another thing that we've gotten wrong as millennials is pornography. If you are looking at porn, you are hindering your walk with the Lord. You are putting a block there that is keeping you from becoming all God created you to be. And with porn, I have a ministry that it helps men and women gain freedom from, from pornography. You can visit my website, which is blamelessministries.org. I built this ministry with the help of, of some great men in this church. And there we have a 21-day devotional. Uh, you'll get it in your inbox every day if you sign up. We have a Bible study you can download. Some great resources available. God wants to break the chains of lust 
He wants to break the chains of addiction. He desires us to have purity in our devotion. Guys, I want to return to the word in Matthew 25, verse 7, or verse 6, rather. And it says, At midnight they were roused with a shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Some versions say that they trimmed their wicks. Has anyone in here ever trimmed a wick on a lamp? What happens when you trim the wick on a lamp? Yeah, that, that, that wick is trimmed so that it burns brighter, it burns more efficiently, there's less soot, there's less discharge. So here's what happened. The bridemaid is on the way and there's, there's a stirring and a rousing of, here he comes, get ready, here he comes. Right now, in this moment, this is where we are. Jesus' return seems imminent. So the bridesmaids open up their lamps and they begin to trim their wicks. Five of them are like, oh no, I have my wick, I'm trimming it, but, and then they look and there's not enough oil. And they realize, I'm in trouble here, I'm stuck. What do I do? And they ask the other bridesmaids, please, please, can we have some of your oil? And the other bridesmaids don't have enough to give them because then their lamps won't be burning. So this word for trimming the wicks is this beautiful Greek word called cosmeo. And this is where we get the word uh, cosmetic from. And cosmeo means to beautifully arrange, to decorate, to furnish, to embellish, to put in order. Guys, do we believe, do you believe right now that the church is fully put in order and, re- and, and ready to go and, and ready to be uh, taken and raptured by Jesus? This, this process here speaks to a, a coming revival and a coming of the, of the uh, uh, revival that will happen between now and when the Lord arrives. How will God find us when, when, he, come, when he comes? Will he find us dressed in readiness? Will he find us prepared? Dressed in readiness is a posture that we actually have. It is who we are, a child of God, anxiously awaiting the return of our Lord. So the, the bridesmaids that didn't have enough oil, let's delve into that a little bit more. I want you to understand a couple more things here. So the five bridesmaids who didn't have enough oil would be like someone who, who comes to church on Sunday morning who wasn't really following Jesus. They just showed up. They really had no roots. They said, I believed, but there's no evidence in their lives of their beliefs. The desires and enticements of the world were too much. They pulled them away. They, they became more, more important than their walk with the Lord. When, when they wanted more oil, how come the other bridesmaids couldn't just say, yeah, yeah, I got enough for you. Here you go. Here's, here's some oil. They had, they were the, the, the five wise, braids, wise bridesmaids were not able to give away in the spiritual what the other five had wasted on carnality. It couldn't be transferred. There was no, there was no, it wasn't possible. These five other bride, uh, foolish bridesmaids were building their foundation on 
on other ground besides God and his word. They weren't building their foundation on this right here. And I believe too that the, the foolish, um, as they were waiting, the, the bridegroom became delayed and they said, let's go party. They just, they just left. They, they look for anything but the Lord. So guys, who is Jesus returning for? What does the church look like that he is coming back for? I want to read this verse in Ephesians chapter 5. gives us a beautiful picture of, of the church, the bride that he is returning for. And there's a great gift here and a great joy. Because I hope this is bringing new light to this parable and new understanding to prepare us. So Ephesians chapter 5, it's on the screen, verses 25 through 27, says this. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church, without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. What I want you to see here is that Jesus is going to present the church to himself, and it's actually a work of Jesus. The transformation of us as believers is actually a work of the Holy Spirit. The gift that he's given us back in his word, you see here, it says, he loved the church and gave, his, gave up his life for her. There's the purchase price. So that he could make her holy and clean. Washed by the water of the word. The best way to be prepared for the coming of the Lord is to spend time in God's word. To spend your days understanding it, living it, putting it into practice. This is how we fill up our lamps. This is how we get filled with the oil so we're ready for God's return. Does God's church, as I was saying, seem to have it all together right now? There is a revival coming before Jesus returns. It is said that 40% of the world is, is unreached. There's many, many people that have yet to hear the gospel. In the previous chapter, in Matthew 24, it says, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. Sitting in here today, we have missionaries who are preaching the gospel in the remote corners of the earth, discipling people who are from Muslim nations who have not had a chance to hear of the gospel. So this word for nations, the gospel will go out to every tribe, tongue, and nation. This word for nations is the word ethne. And ethne is a, is a specific people group of, of every tribe, tongue, and nation. There's in uh, India, for instance, there's over 2,000 people groups in Pakistan, there's over 500. In Brazil, there's over 200. These are distinct people groups. The church is the most inclusive body on the face of the earth. When Jesus comes for his bride, it'll represent everybody. Nobody will be excluded. There'll be a representation of every tribe, tongue, and nation. What did Jesus tell us to do when he left, when the bridegroom leaves. He, he told us to fast. 
he told us to fast and to get ready. At the end of this, uh, this parable or allegory in Matthew, Matthew 5, or Matthew 25 rather, he says, watch and be prepared for you do not, you do not, you do not know the hour of his coming. So guys, as we watch, we need to be prayerful. We need to be, we need to be ready for his return. The last time Jesus told his disciples to watch was at the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, watch so that you do not fall into temptation. He told them to, to not go to sleep. In this parable, the, the, um, the bridesmaids are found drowsy and going to sleep. What does that mean? Why, why did they go to sleep? Well, could have just been that they were tired. Could have just been that they, they dozed off. But possible meaning for this is that when we get to heaven, the Lord, I believe, may show us how much power and authority he's given us here on this earth that we didn't use. I don't want to be looking back going, geez, I wish I would have put in a little more there. I wish I would have had a little more oil and filled, filled myself up a little more with the, with the word of God. We have so much authority and so much power as believers. So in prayer, guys, I want you to imagine prayer like this. And maybe this will be a, a paradigm shift in your prayer life. We're about to have Thanksgiving, right? And imagine the turkey, the amazing sides, the great meal you're about to to take on uh, with, your, with, with your family and your friends, the great joy of this meal. But I want you to imagine prayer as you're pulling up a seat to this table. And on that table, you have strength, power, grace. Pull up a seat to the table and ask God for what is yours. He is just waiting for his children to ask for these things. Imagine prayer like that. Guys, we need to have boldness in these last days. We need lamps that burn pure and bright for Jesus. Where's the church today to push back COVID? Where is the church today to go into the hospitals and to pray for the people that are intubated and to, to watch them raise up? Where, where, where are we today in, in that? So the, I'm gonna close this out here. The uh, few final thoughts is that also in this parable, the, the five foolish bridesmaids who returned, they said, Lord, Lord, let us in. We're here, we're back. Our lamps are now full. In the last minute, they tried to get into the wedding feast. But they were excluded. The door was locked. And he said, I tell you the truth, I didn't know you. So what it comes down to, having our lamps filled with oil, is a, is a walk with the Lord, knowing him, walking with him. Derek, you can come on up. So the, how this relates is, uh, a few years ago, I got a phone call from a friend, um, and she said, Cameron, I want to invite you to a wedding. And I said, great, great, tell me about it. She said, well, it's coming up on the uh, uh, second weekend in June, and I'd like you to join. So I looked at my calendar, and it was clear. And I, we went to the wedding. It was at this beautiful home in the West End, off of Lake Avenue. Uh, it was just a picture-perfect wedding. And then we went to the reception which was at the Aspen Art Museum. And let me tell you, it was top notch. Aspen Art Museum, catered by Matsuhishu, 
We had, uh, at this party, there was a cover band flown in from New York City. It was one of the best cover bands probably in the whole world. We danced the night away, enjoyed ourselves, had an incredible time. Let me tell you, I had no idea who the bride and groom were. I just got to show up. I just got to show up and just have this amazing time. And I left, and as I walked out, you know, you, you walk out of the wedding, and there's like boxes of pizza outside. Hey, would you like some pizza as you leave? They left no detail out of this wedding. It was an incredible celebration. But when Jesus returns, if you don't know him, you're not coming to the wedding feast. You're not coming. So guys, I want to ask you this last question. Is your lamp full of oil? And is your wick trimmed? Because at this wedding, there's going to be no wedding crashers. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.